Welcome to The Last Word on the Crosstalk Messages podcast. Every week we take a last look at the message from the most recent Crosstalk. Enjoy this short conversation and stay tuned for the full message directly after. Hello and welcome to The Last Word this morning. I am your host, JD, and we, we're having fun this morning. So I'm, I'm glad that we're back recording a little bit more, talking a little bit about uh, what has been going on at Crosstalk the last few weeks. This morning, I am joined by our two Crosstalk interns. This morning, we have with us Johnny. What, what? And Cam. <laughs> Hello. Cam, you spoke last week at Crosstalk, which is really, really great. I'm so glad that we've had the opportunity to hear from you and uh, to see kind of what God has been teaching you through the book of Mark. And uh, you taught us about a very familiar story for us. That's Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's in all three synoptic gospels. So it's going to be in Matthew, Mark, Mm -hmm. and Luke. And Mm -hmm. each of those stories has a little bit of difference, but Mark generally is agreed upon as the earliest written gospel. And Mm -hmm. so it's probably our first account of of this miracle. And one of the images that you really brought attention to on Thursday night was that of a shepherd. You kind of drew us to Psalm 23, correct? Correct. Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure I had that right. <laughs> we were we were in Psalm right, 23 right. and reading that in conjunction and in parallel with this story in mm-hmm. the book of Mark. And now we talked you talked a lot about kind of the job and the role of mm-hmm. a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and a shepherd's job is ultimately to care for their flock. Uh, this means protecting them from danger. It means leading them towards health and prosperity and also providing for their needs, making sure all of their needs are met. And this is mm-hmm quite frankly, a really, really powerful image of God. God does the same thing in our lives. We see Jesus in this story acting as a shepherd in the feeding of the 5,000. And right at the beginning of that story, we see something that I think is really critical for us. And that's that Jesus was moved with compassion for Mm -hmm. the people. And so for us kind of to open up, what does it mean that Jesus is moved with compassion for us? And how does that influence the way in which we approach others as followers of Jesus? Yeah. um, I think something that actually you talked about at Crosstalk, I think it was last semester, that has never to me been a more powerful understanding of God's compassion for us. And it was when we talked about the passage in Isaiah of how God looks at us like like a mother looks at her child. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think prior to that, I had this general understanding like, yeah, God looks at me and he has compassion on me. But I think this, this imagery just helps me understand it in such a deeper, more intimate way. Um, mm. In the same way with, with my mom and like with my mom, she always said growing up, like, I have learned how much God loves me by how much raising you, I've seen how much I love mm. you. And like, that's just a sliver of how much like God cares for us. And so I I almost think of it like in, in, in a mother's love type of way, because that to yeah. me on earth is the yeah. most nurturing and gentle, compassionate type of love I've ever encountered. And that's with, they look at you and they can not only tell what your physical needs are, kind of like how we talked about on Thursday, but they also, a mom knows like what Mm -hmm. their child's emotional needs are, what what they're going through. And if they don't know, in God's case, he does know, but if they don't know, they sit and they say, what's wrong? Tell mm-hmm. me. Let's yeah. sit together. And whatever situation you're in, whatever season of life that you're in, God doesn't get tired of looking at us and saying, I want to care for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's for me, as as I'm going through life and as I navigate like changing seasons and going into the next thing, which I don't know what's going to be, mm-hmm. a big rock for me has been like, man, God sees me right now. And in my questions and in my curiosities, he's like, I'm here for you and I have compassion on you. I see you mm-hmm. and I and yeah. I, I just want to help and I want to mm-hmm. care for you and every single capacity that you have. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what Psalm this is. I read it one day in a Psalm and I think it was, I feel like it was Psalm 19, but basically it says, he rescued me because he delighted in me. And mm-hmm. to me, that's so much more than just like, oh, God has an obligation to care for me. Delighting in is like saying, no, God enjoys me. God mm-hmm. likes me. God mm-hmm. likes to sit with me. God likes to hang out with me. Not only does he like it, but he loves me. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, just just thinking about like, wow, we have a God of the universe who rescues us because he delights in us. He cares for us. And more than that, he cares to delight and he delights mm-hmm. to care. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love that you use the word care a lot there because I think that that's what comes down to is that Jesus cared 
Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of John uh, 3.17, right after John 3.16. He, mm-hmm. Jesus is saying that I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, you know, yeah. through me. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, Jesus could have looked at the people and easily, like, I would have been looking at them with judgment, with, like, annoyance, you know. But totally. yeah. he looked at them not with judgment that, like, how do these people not know, like, we're trying to rest, like— we got things to do, right. but instead he yeah. looked at them with this care, like mm-hmm. you were saying. And so thinking of that, like for me, that like I a lot of times were thinking like, ah, Jesus must be looking at me with condemnation, with judgment, but really mm-hmm. he comes to me with compassion first. And then with like truth and love, he, you know, corrects me and nurtures me yeah. and guides me just like yeah. a shepherd does. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. You you were referencing, actually, it's Psalm 18, 19. We'll start in verse 16. Darn. It says, <laughs> he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my mm. foes who were too strong for me. They, they confronted me in my day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into spacious place and he rescued me because he delighted in me. And I think that, that that was a great, great reference. And I think, Johnny, you draw attention to a really important thing for us, which is the difference between God's compassion and the way in which we often view other people or interact with other people. So often people come to us in a time of need, and it's incredibly inconvenient for us, yeah. right? Like, just like the disciples, they've yeah. been going, they've been going, they've been going. And this the story tells us that they were withdrawing for a time of leisure, for a time of resting. Mm-hmm. And in our own humanness, we're like, all right, dude, leave me alone. Like, I've got stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I need to rest. I need to do all of these things. And so many times that is what happens when somebody comes with us uh, with need. Mm-hmm. And so how then do we emulate this compassion of Jesus in our interactions with others? Because mm-hmm. it is inconvenient, if we're being honest. Yeah. Other people's needs are inconvenient. And so how do we emulate this? Yeah, um, the equivalent that I was thinking of, um, and we talked about this at Community Group last night, we kind of painted the picture of like, okay, imagine you're the most exhausted and the most tired and the most hungry you've ever been in your entire life. And then not only does one person come up to you, but there's an entire crowd who comes up to you. And uh, like, I think, and my response to it would have been, but God, you know, I'm tired. You know, I need rest. How can I possibly like pour out when I haven't been poured poured into myself? And I think that's kind of an ironic thing to say because I would have literally been with the savior of the world <laughs> who knows yeah, what I right, need. Right. And mm-hmm. I think in those moments when you're tired and when you're exhausted, I think first, asking God for the discernment to know like, okay, is this a situation in which I can do this right now? Is this a situation to which you're calling me to step in and to help? Or is this a situation in which I can look around and I can like, Ask, ask someone else to come into it and be mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah. I, I can't right now, which I think is okay to say sometimes too, to be honest. Totally. Yeah. Um, but like in this moment, the, the disciples could have went to rest, right? And I think us remembering God knows what I need. And if God right now is telling me yeah. that I can help this person, that I'm in a situation to, and that what I need is to help, then he knows that the rest will come later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think absolutely. having that intimacy with God to pray and to ask, okay, God, is this a situation where I can? And I think a lot of the times, to be honest, if that's coming and falling into our lap, maybe a lot of the time that is God yeah, telling yeah, us and leading absolutely. us to that. But mm-hmm. in the same measure, praying, asking God. Um, and if it's something big, you know, asking your community, asking your close friends, like, okay, this is a really big thing that I've been asked to do. Like, can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Should I should I do it? Like, what do you think? Um, because I think that's a little bit of an important distinction to notice to note too. Is like sometimes, maybe, occasionally, the answer is okay. Hold on, let's delegate it and let's 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 pull back for just a second. But mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the time, God is putting us in that situation to 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 help and to mm-hmm. be the one that that leads people closer to Jesus in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Looking at scripture, I think it helped guides me thinking, how do I show compassion to people, especially whenever I'm like not wanting to at all? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, Jesus calls us to be, this is going to be later in Mark that I'll actually yeah. be preaching yeah. on that we're <laughs> to be called like, you know, we're servants. Like mm-hmm. the greatest of us needs to be a servant to all. And like, yeah. that's a huge ask. And he also then, um, I think it's before he's talking to the Pharisees, I'm pretty sure, and saying that like, 
the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, but love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so there's this like mixture of we need to be servants, but then we also, you know, like any good thing, it's going to take sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, right. And so we also can't be doing this, you know, all like servant, like, I don't know, we can't be like all holy just by ourselves. You know, we need right, to be right. like in community with people serving other people. Like mm-hmm. the world doesn't revolve around us, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And I think ultimately we do go back to, if you say, what are the greatest commandment? Well, to love God and to love others. Well, God is the source of all compassion. Mm-hmm. And so when we love God, when we're connected to the source mm-hmm. of compassion, yeah. our loving of others then is a natural kind of outflow of that mm-hmm. intimate relationship with the Father. And so when we are in those spaces and we feel like we're running out of compassion, then we turn to God and we say, God, give me compassion for this person. Yeah, Help absolutely. me to demonstrate compassion for this person. Okay, that is, a, I think, a beautiful place for us to start. And this image uh, of Jesus as our shepherd is an incredibly powerful image. And for those of us uh, who are going through something hard mm-hmm. or we're going through something that's really difficult or dark, that image can feel maybe a little idealistic. Like we're living in the clouds, like, great, God is my shepherd, but where is he in the midst of my struggle? Mm -hmm. Where is he in the midst of my loss? Where is he in the midst of my pain? And so if I'm struggling Mm. to find God or to recognize his presence in the midst of my suffering, it can be easy to doubt that God is my good shepherd, (laughs) quite frankly. And so it can lead us to become bitter and resentful or angry and hard-hearted towards God. And so how do I find God and to recognize him as my good shepherd in the midst of really hard and difficult things in this life? Yeah, I think the first thing to recognize is that if you are feeling frustrated or if you are feeling exhausted and weary and tired, just remember that God is not mad at you for feeling those things. Mm -hmm. And remember that even in those moments where you you think, I don't understand how I can possibly receive this Mm -hmm. compassion from God, remember in those moments, that is when God has compassion on you. And don't think, oh my gosh, because I can't recognize this, God is gonna leave me or that he's gonna forsake me. And I think that is like a hard thing, especially for for people who are visual. I think that can be a hard thing to to grasp and Mm -hmm. to understand. But I think, so there's a quote that I always love to to tell myself and to think about. And it's, um, it's okay to have your head in the clouds a little bit, feet firmly planted in his word. And I think, the reason I say that is because we meditate and we we fix our eyes on the fact that our good shepherd is here for us when we don't feel it. I yeah. think a lot of the times the feelings by the grace of God follow that because he's so, so kind to us and he allows us to feel him in the midst of those things. But it takes leaning into his word and meditating and remembering all of the promises that he's spoken over us. Because I think that's like 90% of the time, to be honest, in hard times is not mm-hmm. feeling it depending on God. And I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just continuing to lean into him and to depend on him in those ways. And um, yeah, I think the quote that I said a second ago, I think it's okay to have your head in the clouds a little bit, to think, I don't feel this, but man, I understand that Jesus has compassion on me and that he's with me Mm -hmm. in these moments. And then feet firmly planted in his word to say, I know that I know. And even if I don't know that I know, God help me to understand what I don't and help me to know what it's hard for me to know in these moments. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, like, look at the Psalms. You know, there's so many of them where they're like, you know, frustrated with God and they're really real thoughts of just like doubt, frustration, and like Mm -hmm. what trying to understand what's going on. And so I think that, yeah, one, it's okay yeah, to feel that. But also just thinking of like, you know, sheep and a shepherd, it's like, you know, sheep will often, you know, get sick. They'll often, you know, get hungrier on certain days other than, you know, great days whenever they're full. Mm -hmm. Um, Just things are happening, but that doesn't mean that the shepherd isn't there, you know, Mm -hmm. caring for them still, like working with them. But I think it's important to note that like, hey, we do live in a broken world. And so, you know, God's not leaving you. Like he's still here with you, but bad things you know, are still going to happen as it says in John 16, 33. Mm-hmm. And so rather than letting bad things happen and just pointing the finger at the only one that can be there to care for you, you know, maybe we should try to realize, put this new perspective that like, okay, this world is broken, but I can still lean into God and Jesus. But, you know, like he's my good shepherd. Like just having a shepherd doesn't mean you're always going to be super, you know, healthy and awesome and having yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that, that, 
connection you made to that psalm with the good shepherd is so good and I think strikes directly to that uh, whole story of feeding the 5,000. That was a really good connection. Absolutely. So often our human perspective is that if I can't feel God, then he isn't there. Right. And that that isn't true. Mm-hmm. Like God is present and he is working in the given moment, whether we see him, feel him, or uh, are feel connected mm-hmm. to him in that yeah. moment. And so there are a couple of things I think I would add to this because all of this is really, really good. I think that um, one, we have to recognize he's there, like you guys said. Two, we do need to go to scripture and to see like ultimate truth mm-hmm. about the presence of God. And then the third thing about that is I would say, look at your own life. Mm-hmm. Like God, look, point back to the moments that God has come through, that he has provided, and that gives us confidence that God will provide mm-hmm. again, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it or recognize it. And then the second piece of that is our prayer oftentimes <clears throat> needs to be, God, where are you? As mm-hmm. opposed to, God, why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do? Mm-hmm. Or why am I not healed? Or why are you not taking this from me? Saying, God, where are you in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you in this? When we change our prayer to recognizing God's presence, oftentimes we begin to see the small ways in which he's working, even if he mm-hmm. hasn't totally brought us out of a difficult or dark situation. Yeah. And I think on top of that, as as we're going through life and we have questions of God, how how I don't understand and I don't see how you can provide in these moments and where are you providing? I think for me, I, I can forget and I think we can all forget at times that the basis of what we believe is based on the fact that God provided the lamb. Mm -hmm. Everything that we do, the reason we respond to God the way we do, the reason that we have like gone into ministry and the reason that we love God and the reason that we're doing any of this is because God provided first. And even before before God provided Jesus the lamb, he was providing over and over and time and time again. And like with when God asked um, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, to, to prove that he loves him. Um, God still provided. He provided the, the sacrifice and he's done it over and over again. And so I would say, even if it's hard in your life, if you feel like you have some blind spots, first asking God, okay, God, can you take away these blind spots? Where are you? What have you done in my life? But then second, looking back on scripture and seeing all the ways that God has provided for unfaithful people over and over and over again, because he's a faithful God. Yeah, and ultimately our eschatology um, we rely on the fact that Jesus is coming again. Yeah. And that when he comes again, that death and suffering will be ultimately taken care of, that they will be mm-hmm. no more. Now, I loved how you pointed out, as kind of your last point, that Jesus uses the disciples to, to provide for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to recognize that oftentimes God uses other people to meet our needs in our times of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he comes through in divine and miraculous ways, absolutely. But more often than not, it's through other people that he begins to meet our needs. And this really emphasizes the need for community in yeah. our lives. And so my question kind of has two parts. The first of which is, how can we recognize God's provision through other people mm-hmm. in our time of need? And mm-hmm. the second is, how can we recognize when God is calling us into a position to meet other people's needs? Mm. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I think very simply, um, kind of like we talked about before with God, where are you providing for me? And this time I think asking first, if you need provision, asking God, can, are you going to be able, God, where are you providing for me through other people? And God, where have I seen other people come through in different ways because of you? Um, and then what was the second part of the question? Sorry. Uh, how do we, how do we recognize when God is calling us into a position into a position to meet other people's needs. Mm, yeah, um, and then I kind of go back to at the times where I'm I'm the most exhausted, and and I'll, I'll give an example. So at Encounter this year, I felt like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and I was stressed about because I was I was speaking, and then I was also just trying to make sure everything was going okay, and I was trying to make sure that everything was set up in the den. And I was running back and forth from place to place to place to place. I, I I passed a girl who we were having, well, they were having quiet time. And I passed a girl who was crying her eyes out. And she was sobbing. And so I, I, I stopped for a second. I was like, does she want me to talk to her? Like, is this like just her time with God? And so I made eye contact with her. And she looked at me and I said, are you okay? And she was like, mm-hmm, I'm, I'm fine. And I was like, do you want to be alone? Or do you, do you need something? Like, what do you need? And she was like, did you actually talk to it? And she just broke down. 
And I think in those moments and in times like that, similarly at other points in my life, if I'm only focused on the task at hand and I'm only so focused on what is my capabilities in this moment, what am I needing to do, what is what is my power going to bring, it's not about me, my capabilities, my power, or my tasks. Mm-hmm. I think when we forget that people are what we're here for, and I think that when we forget that people are what God has compassion on. And I think when we start to see people as an inconvenience or a burden, that's mm-hmm. the moment we know that we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, and so in that moment, we, we got to pray. and We talked for a really long time, but I just think about, Lord, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Mm-hmm. And thank you for making me aware of that because what if I wasn't? And yeah, what if absolutely. what if you, God, did not put her in my vision? And I, I firmly believe that it was only because of like him who did that because mm-hmm. me, I'm like, laser beam, focus, 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 task, 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 task. And just remembering in those moments, taking a deep breath and saying, okay, God, let what what are the needs around me in this moment? Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, and I think to, to recognize God's provision through other people, I think it helps to ask people deep questions and like people you trust that you know are Christian. Mm-hmm. So like me going to my roommates and being like, hey man, like how could I be doing better as a friend? Or how could I, how mm-hmm. could you see me doing better you know, in my position in church or how can I be serving other people better? Mm-hmm. And like, just, I don't know, asking those questions mm-hmm. as to yeah. like a reflection question totally. from them, I think is a way that like you can get a really nice voice of like a perspective that's mm-hmm. like from wisdom. And like, you know, I think that that, even if there's this consistent thing that people are telling you to work on or maybe some advice, and maybe God's really trying to, you know, tell you something. And so that, I think that that's a good way to get provision. Mm-hmm from God through other people. And then as far as like your calling into serving people, I mean, one really lame answer is that I think we're always called to serve people. Um, <laughs> That's good, yeah. But That's good. as far as like specifically like going out to pursue to like do big acts of service for people, maybe looking for opportunities not only in the church, but just like who are people that you're noticing? Are you noticing homeless people more often just on the side of the road? So should you maybe mm-hmm. go to, you know, five and below, get a, you know, a couple bags of stuff to start like giving to people and praying over them? Or are you saying like, okay, there's this great need of people that have a lot of trees that are broken down around. Mm -hmm. And I just have this like thing in my head that won't go away that I need to help them. Mm -hmm. And so maybe noticing Mm -hmm. what you're noticing, you know, like paying attention to all the consistent Mm -hmm. like needs that are being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And then going out to meet those needs. Yeah, yeah. I would say even to kind of like summarize those three things, the first of which is the act of reflection. Yeah. Totally. Like yeah. <laughs> where, like I need to take the time and create the space to reflect and to think and say, where has God provided in my life through the through other people? Yeah. Second piece of that is active listening. Like mm-hmm. asking questions, listening to other people and saying, okay, so how am I doing at this? Mm -hmm. Like I can hear this as I talk to other people. I can ask good questions. And then Mm -hmm. the third piece of that is being sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit and how he Mm -hmm. is drawing us, whether it's a passion for other people Mm -hmm. or he continues to put a specific person in our path. Like all of those things allow us to then both recognize God's provision and then reciprocate that provision by caring for other people. Mm -hmm. So that is all really, really good stuff. I think we could talk for an hour about this. But... (laughs) I hope that this has been an edifying um, way to kind of reflect on what you said last week, Cam. I'm really excited for where we're going next. Mm-hmm. Johnny, you're up this week. So Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> really Let's go exciting to kind of hear what the Lord has been teaching you in and through this. Yeah. And so we will see you guys this Thursday. And I had no idea what God was going to do while I was here. And in fact, my first semester, I almost transferred. I was ready to get out of here. I was ready to bolt. And then I found Crosstalk, and I found this really awesome community that I didn't think that I would find. And you guys, Crosstalk is the place to get plugged in. Let me tell you guys, I did not think I would ever intern for Crosstalk, ever, ever, in a million years. But I can think there's so many friends and amazing experiences that I've had within Crosstalk and outside of Texas State. I have friends who I've been roommates with and who I've lived with who are gone and graduated, but they're still some of my best friends. And made some lifelong friends in this in this room and in the Alcac Teaching Theater and in homes and it's just been really, really incredible. And in fact, last year in January of 2022, I took a trip with some people in this room actually to Atlanta, Georgia for a conference called Passion. And if you guys have ever heard of Passion, if you've ever been to Passion, you know that it's so much fun. You know that it's great, but you also know how exhausting it is <laughs> because it's too 
three days of going and listening to people. But on top of that, you've got to go drive to get there if you live far away. So for us, and for the group I took, we went out of Houston and we went in a minivan. There's about seven of us, and it was a 13-hour drive to go to Atlanta to sleep in an Airbnb that we barely fit in and to wake up the next day and go sit in this conference, scram to get in there, try to get floor seats, which we got, which was incredible, yes. But if you've ever been to Passion, you know how fun it is, and you know how incredible the speakers are, and you know how incredible the worship is. And I took so many things away from this experience, so, so many things, but... There was one story in particular that's, that stuck out to me since I, since I went to Passion, and I was, as I was preparing for tonight's message, that really came to my mind, and that kept replaying. And um, it was actually during a worship session with a rapper named KB. Y'all ever heard of KB? Yeah. yeah? Heard of him. <laughs> right? He's, he's super awesome. And so he really stuck out to me, not only his performance, but in the middle of his, of his worship session, he, he stopped, we're all dancing, we're having fun, we're jumping, there's lights everywhere, it's crazy. And he stops to tell us a quick little story. And um, the story that he tells us is of a mission trip that he had been on before. And he was getting ready to go with his church and he was like, this is gonna be awesome, it's gonna be just like any other mission trip, it's gonna be an ordinary mission trip. I'm gonna get on the plane, I'm gonna go take some pictures with some babies, the social media team's gonna post it, it's gonna be so much fun, not a lot of work, and it's just gonna be great, it's gonna be awesome. And so he went to the info meeting for this mission trip, and he quickly realized, as he put it, this was no ordinary mission trip. So he gets there, and they play videos, and they tell him all the info about what's gonna be going on while they're there, and they actually say to him, and to everybody who's in the room, we can't guarantee that you guys are gonna make it back alive. Because we've actually had people go on this trip with different missionaries and different mission boards who have actually died because they're sharing the gospel. And so KB hears this and he's like, whoa, this is not what I thought I was signing up for. So I'm obviously not gonna go. But he didn't wanna chicken out. <laughs> he didn't wanna tell them that he was afraid to go. And so his idea was, okay, I'm actually gonna go home. I'm gonna tell my wife that if I go on this mission trip, I might die. So that way, she'll tell me that I can't go, and then I don't look like I'm the chicken here. And so he goes home, fully expecting his wife to say, absolutely not, you're not going. He goes home, and he tells her all of this. He's like, yeah, they played us this video. They showed us people who have died, and that they didn't come back from the mission trip because they've shared the gospel. What do you think of that? And she's like, you know, if that's something that God's calling you to, I, I think you should go. And he was like, what? You were supposed to be the reason I got out of going. You were supposed to be the reason that I didn't have to go, and so I didn't have to worry about dying. And so he says to her, but what if, what if I go and I die, and I don't come back and I leave you here all by yourself? What do you say to that? Like, what are you going to do? And what she says, I think, is so profound, and I think that's why it stuck with me so much is because of his wife's answer. And she just looked at him, and, and she said, you know, if something happens to you while you're gone, God is going to take care of me. And that really sank in with me because how often do I think like that? That every need I have, God is going to sustain and take care of. Because if I'm honest, I don't. Especially if it was somebody who God has put to be my provider, somebody who God has put in my life for a reason, and then they're just gone. I'm not married, I don't have a husband, but I can't even imagine being in that situation. And yet she's like, God's going to take care of me if something happens to my husband. So we've been going through the book of Mark this semester, and last week J.D. did an awesome job. He went through the book of, or the chapter Mark 5, and he talked about three different stories. He talked about the story of uh, the woman with the issue of blood, who Jesus healed. He talked about the story of the man with the legion of demons, who Jesus cast out. And he also talked about the little girl who was 12 years old, who Jesus raised back to life. And he presented us with a couple questions, and, and these questions were, do we sit and do we ponder and do we understand that Jesus can bring healing to these areas of our life that we don't think he does. We ultimately answered the question, who do we say Jesus is? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? And so that sat with me as I thought about that story, but tonight I'm going to read a passage that most of us have probably read before, probably at least heard before, if we grew up in some kind of church context. But before I do that, I want to kind of just tell us the context of where we're at in Mark. And so we're going to be picking up in Mark 6, and you should know that what has happened right before this story is that Jesus has just sent out the 12 disciples. 
He's just sent them out in pairs of two to go cast out demons, to heal, to perform signs and wonders, and to preach the good news of Jesus. He's just sent them out to do that. And then the second thing you should know that's just happened before this takes place is that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, has just been beheaded. And Jesus knows all. So he knows what's going on, and he knows that his cousin has just died. And so you should know this as we go into this, and we're going to be reading the story of the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to pick up in Mark 6, 30, verses, Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. Verse 30 says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among all of them. They ate and were satisfied. And all the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten that day was 5,000. So like I said, we've probably heard that story before. And we've probably grown up, if we have grown up in some church context, we probably at least were familiar with it. And we can probably think of a couple things off the top of our heads that we can already take away from it. And that's the case for me as well. And so as I was studying this passage and as I was asking God to lead me where he wanted to go tonight, I was also reading a couple commentaries, and something that I feel like God brought to my attention was Psalm 23, which is another familiar passage to some of us. And so alongside this passage, I'm going to read Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4, and then I'll explain what I mean. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, so Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4, and then Mark 6. What's the point? Why are we looking at these two passages beside each other? I wanted to bring this up and show them to you guys because I really believe that these two passages are showing us on two different levels that Jesus is our good shepherd. And sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for food, for water, for leadership, and guidance as they move from place to place. And this is just as we're dependent on God for everything we need, our daily bread, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, where he leads us. That is what God leads us into. And after reading it and sitting with this passage, I realized that this is why David describes the Lord as being his good shepherd. And it's really, really cool because in Psalm 23, we see God as David's good shepherd on an individual and on a personal level, right? God takes me and he leads me in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He refreshes and he restores my soul. And as I study this, I really think that in Mark 6, this is what Jesus is doing to the masses of people. And what I mean by this on on a, on a deeper level is we can look at this physically. Jesus sees them. He has compassion on them. And then he physically takes them and he leads them into the green pastures as he leads David into the green pastures in Psalm 23. In this moment, Jesus is filling them not only spiritually but physically. And think about it, in this moment, they're lacking nothing. They're sitting with the Lord of all creation. He's feeding them spiritually and physically, and that's what he does for David, too. 
And then not only does Jesus provide for everything that they need in this moment, but he also doesn't leave, right? Jesus could have. He could have actually sent them away before they got to the desolate place because they were already waiting for him. Jesus could have just chose to not provide. And then not only did he provide, but he chose to stay and he chose to sit with them and dine with them and commune with them in the green pastures. God is giving them everything they need in this moment. Communion with him. He's providing for them. And I, and I love how the Bible talks about sheep and the metaphor of sheep because sheep are quite frankly dumb. They're stupid. And something interesting too that I learned about sheep, and actually this wasn't even something that I came across in my research for this. It was something I came across for a devotional that I'm doing for a class right now. And it talked about how sheep are actually so dependent on the shepherd that when they go to sleep, the shepherd has to prepare everything around them to get what they need. So the sheep go to sleep and the shepherd doesn't go to sleep. He goes and he prepares a safe place for them at the waters. Something new that I learned and this as well is that in Psalm 23, when it says, he leads me by quiet waters, sheep are actually terrified of water, which I didn't know that. They're afraid to go into those places that could bring them harm because they know they can't defend themselves. Their wool is too heavy. They literally carry a weight that they can't go into the troubled places because they can't rescue themselves. So if they go in the water, they cannot survive, period. They have no hope. And so in the middle of the night, while they rest, the shepherd doesn't. He goes and he actually prepares a little pool, kind of made of rocks, so the sheep can see that they're protected and so they can go and drink safely and freely. And what's cool is that the sheep never even become conscious of what the, sheep, the shepherd does for them while they rest. And I think that's a really, really beautiful picture of what God does for us. And all of these people here this day, they need him. They need him in such an intimate and desperate way. And he chooses to stay for them. And one way Matthew describes this, or Jesus describes this in Matthew, is in uh, Matthew verse 18, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14. And you guys might have heard this before too, but it says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And he finds it truly, if he finds it truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. And in the same way, your, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little sheep should perish. I just want to say to you guys that if Jesus is doing this physically for all these people here, and if Jesus is doing this physically for David, then he's doing it for you guys right now in this present moment. You're the one that he's after. Even when you leave him, he doesn't leave you. He keeps pursuing you over and over again and time and time again when you walk away, he doesn't. And he wants, to, he wants to pursue you. He wants to woo you with his affections for you. And he wants your circumstances around him that he's put you in to lead him closer to you. And from that, the second thing I want us to notice is that Jesus is a provider, a good provider for you who will never cast those are under his care out of his provision. He'll never cast you out of his provision. So the story we see that Jesus sees two main needs of the masses, right? We just talked about that. One is a loss of spiritual direction, but the other is a physical need. They're hungry, right? So basically what we need to know is that every single person in this crowd is a needy person. And in their neediness, there's mercy for it. Like we said, he could have sent them away. He could have cast them out. He was tired. He knows that his cousin was just beheaded. He knows that his disciples are exhausted. He's been doing things time and time and time again for the people around him, and they keep coming to him. And what's amazing is that he doesn't tell them to go away. He says, stay. And I think our instinct here is also to first notice the physical miracle. It's the one we've heard about in Sunday school. It's, it's, the, it's the bread, and then it's more, and it just appears out of nowhere but I want us to notice something here. I want us to notice that Jesus first has compassion on them for their spiritual needs. I want us to notice that he meets their spiritual needs before he even meets their physical ones. And he knew that he would get the afternoon to sit with them, I think. 
I just imagine Jesus going and he's teaching these people and he knows he's about to feed them and he knows he's going to provide for them and everything they need this afternoon. But I think when I think about this passage, I wonder if Jesus was more concerned with knowing that he was going to get an eternity to sit with them than just the afternoon. Because I know he loves to meet our physical needs. I know he does. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've watched it. But even more than that, I know that he cares so much more deeply that we're going to get to spend eternity to commune with him. And then, not only does he he fill their spiritual needs, not only does he meet it, but he provides an abundance. The scripture here says that there was 12 basketfuls of food left over. It wasn't just enough food to where the people felt okay. It wasn't just enough to where they were all right and got just enough to scrape by, but they were satisfied. Every single person in the herd ate and was filled and satisfied that day. Now, if 5,000 wasn't already an overwhelming number to you, I went and I read this story from Matthew's perspective in the Gospel of Matthew. And something very interesting that I noticed is at the end of Matthew, it actually says that 5,000 was just the number of men who ate that day, not including women and children. And so theologians actually estimate that it was anywhere between 15 and 20,000 people who Jesus provided for that day. And the scripture tells us that every single person who was there ate and was filled. And I think what this should tell us as people reading the scriptures today is that no need that we have is too big for God to meet and that no person who comes to him in need is going to be rejected. And Jesus says it clear as day in John 6, 37. He says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I think that describes us perfectly. There's a book that I've read recently. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And if you guys haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. It's super awesome, really impacted my life. But Ortland puts it this way in the way that Jesus cares for us and, and he provides for us. It, uh, Ortland puts it like this, raise your objections. None can threaten these invincible words. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For those united in him, the heart of Jesus is not a rental. It's your new permanent residence. You are not a tenant. You are a child. His heart is not a ticking time bomb. I love that. His heart is not a ticking time bomb. His heart is the green pastures and still waters of endless reassurances of his presence and comfort. Whatever our spiritual accomplishments are, it is who he is. And I love how it says that whatever our spiritual accomplishments are, that Jesus loves to provide for us for where we're at. And the truth is that we're needy, right? Just like the crowd is needy, just like David was needy, we're the needy ones here. We're just like the sheep. We need things all the time. But we also can know that the heart of God and the heart of our good shepherd is that his deepest delight is to provide for us before we've even done anything for him because that's just who he is. No matter what, God cares for you. And um, this leads me to bring one other thing to our attention. Um, I think it's really incredible when we look at the way that Jesus chooses to provide for the masses through his disciples. And so like we said, Jesus saw the need of the crowd, clear as day. But we also see that the disciples also saw the need of the crowd. So they, they see the crowd and they're like, Jesus, um, do you see them? Like, they're hungry. Let's send them away. And I, I, I kind of think about it like this in terms of our current context. So think about it like this. If you see someone on the side of the street or a parking lot, let's say you just went to class and you go by HGB to get lunch and you're driving out and you see somebody holding up a sign that says what their needs are. We can usually tell, right? We can usually tell if they need a home, if they need food, if they're cold. And I think our response is really similar to the disciples a lot of the time. I think we look at the needs and we say, that's not my problem. I think we look at the needs like the disciples did and we say, yeah, they look hungry, but Jesus, do you know that that would take half a year's wages? Don't you know that I would have to give up what I have for the sake of that person? I mean, there's clearly places for them to eat other, other places and otherwise. So I don't think that's really something that I need to be concerned with. And, and two, what, what makes me laugh is that Jesus has provided and done miracles over and over again, plain as day, 
in front of the disciples at this point. And he's actually sent out the disciples to go do the same thing. And yet they're standing in front of the Lord of all creation and they're saying, um, God, we don't have enough. Time and time again when Jesus has provided for them. And my first instinct too is to be like, man, those disciples really don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but I think about my circumstances and I think about what God is doing in my life and I think about how often I have that response to God as well. When I've seen God provide over and over again and I've seen him do things for me over and over again and never forsake me and never leave me and yet I still respond to him and I think, how is this gonna work? There's no way with my circumstances that you can pull this together. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll be in a good place with that to recognize that sometimes we don't understand all that God can do and how good and mighty our good shepherd is. I mean, how often do we say, God, there isn't enough and I don't have enough and, and I'm quite frankly not enough where I'm at in life right now. But what this text teaches us is that nothing you have and nothing that you are right now, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, your emotional journey, where you're sitting, that nothing you have and nothing that you are is ever gonna be refused on behalf of Christ. And Jesus is saying, even if you, all you have is to give me is, is these loaves and these two fish. That's what I want. I wanna use you as you are for where you are and what you have in the circumstance that you're in right now. And, and what's also mind-blowing to me about this is that Jesus could have just made manna rain from heaven. He didn't have to use his disciples. We see it time and time again in the Old Testament. God makes manna rain from heaven for the Israelites. God can create things out of nothing. But he chooses to not. And then, just like Jesus does, he also calls the disciples to go and to sit with them. They all dined together with the feeding of the 5,000, or more like 15 to 20,000. And I really, really believe that this is what Jesus is inviting us to do today in the present, is that we can just leave. We have the choice. We have the free will to walk away from situations. We have the free will to not trust him. And we have the free will to do whatever we want with our circumstances. But I really believe that God is calling us to go and sit with him at the feet of Jesus and say, this is what I have. These are my circumstances. These are the people around me. God, what will you have me do? Because I know nothing I have is going to be refused on behalf of you. We're co-heirs and we're co-laborers with God. How, how amazing is that? How, how incredible. And also, on the, on the other side of the token, how often do we, do we forget that? How often do we forget that Jesus is inviting us to be part of what he was inviting his disciples then to do? We're his disciples now. And he's inviting us into that. He's inviting us to be part of what he's doing. How amazing is that? And how often do we forget it? And yes, this is a Bible story. It happened thousands of years ago, a really long time ago. But I also don't want us to forget that this is a Bible reality too. This is a present day thing that God is doing with his sheep then, his sheep now, his sheep with da how David was his sheep, how these are his sheep, how we're his sheep. He's doing the same thing. And so what I want us to sit with and I, and I want us to ponder something and I want us to think about, is Jesus this good shepherd to me? Do I let him take care of me? Do I wonder, do I have anxiety about the things in my life right now? Or do I go to God at the feet of Jesus and I say, God, I trust you. Do I do that? Very plainly, what is, what is Jesus to you? Is he your good shepherd? And, and if you're sitting here and you're like, all right, I get it. Like me and Jesus, are, we're homies. Like I depend on him for everything. I understand that he's my provider. He's my sustainer. I can't make it through a day without him. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You know, like he's my good shepherd. I get it. The thing I want us in that crowd in the room to ask ourselves is that are we inviting God into those places where he's calling us to serve? Are we asking God on behalf of others to provide? Are we going to the throne room, to his throne of grace on behalf of others? Do we recognize that God wants us to be his co-laborer? Do we recognize that we receive from God, yes, he's our good shepherd, yes, but also that he's calling us into those places? Do we have an awareness for what God is trying to do around us? Do we have an awareness for the way he's trying to provide? 
Also, are we sharing our stories? Are we sharing our testimonies of how God has provided for us over and over again? Because I think it can be really incredible what we're going to see if we start telling everyone our stories of how God has provided for us over and over again. And if we go to prayer and we say, God, I'm here for whatever needs you have around me, I'm your vessel. This is what I'm here for. You pour into me and now I'm here to extend that love to others because of you and who you are and your goodness. And when Jesus is your good shepherd, you get to sit and dine and rest with him. And I'm telling you guys, from my story and from my testimony, I can tell you that there's absolutely nothing better than having God as your shepherd and having him take care of you. There's nothing better than lying in those green pastures with him by the quiet waters and letting him comfort you with your rod, his rod and his staff. And there's nothing better than walking on the paths of righteousness for him, his name's sake because it's gonna be used for his glory. And it's beautiful. I'm just telling you guys that from my story and my experience. And I can tell you that anybody in this room or anybody on this campus or this world has, who has walked with God in such a way will tell you the same thing. There's nothing better in this entire world. He's inviting us to be part of the work and the intercession and the providing that he does today. And I'm telling you guys, like he's done for me, if you're lost, he'll lead you. And if you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you're broken, he'll heal you. If you're tired, he'll restore you. If you're hurting, he'll hold you. And if you're drowning, he'll rescue you. If you're empty-handed, he'll sustain you. And if you're afraid, he'll protect you. If you're weary, he'll carry you. And if you're literally dead in your transgressions, and in your sin, he is going to resurrect you. I'm telling you that right now, that there is nothing in this world that our good shepherd can't do, including beating death. And that's who our good shepherd is, guys. That's who he is to us. And um, I want to close with, with one final passage, and it's in Ephesians 3, and it's the last two verses in Ephesians 3. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine or think according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's our good shepherd, guys. That's him. I'm gonna close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I stand in awe before you today that you are the good shepherd that we need and that in our neediness you don't cast us out of your provision in our neediness you don't tell us to go away you don't tell us to come back later but as you tell us to sit at your feet right where we are and to trust that you're going to provide for all that we need so God I just I'm in wonder and I'm in awe of that fact today and God I pray that if there's any person in this room who doesn't yet understand that reality and that truth, that they would come to know you in a deep and intimate way, knowing that everything they need, you can sustain. God, our sins and our needs, there's so many, but praise God, your mercy is more. You cover our multitude of sins with your grace. God, help us to understand that. Help us to be a people who are in complete wonder of your goodness. God, I pray that we would go into those surrounding areas in our life that you're calling us to boldly, unafraid of what we have in our hand, but God, if we're empty-handed, that we would trust that you're gonna sustain us for the needs around us. God, let us be drawn to you as our good shepherd as we live to glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray.